Turn to John chapter 3. Um, just to let you know, as far as the chosen event is concerned, the time is going to be 7 p.m. And, uh, and we'll, we'll announce more about this next week, but uh, we're encouraging you to bring your own chairs. We, we, we will have chairs available, but uh, our chairs are not going to be near as comfortable as the ones you could probably bring. Um, we're probably going to bring some of those camping chairs you just pop out, and they're just, they're not, not very expensive, but they're super comfortable. And so, anyway, um, you can take care of that after the service tonight. Let's get our mind on the Word this evening. John chapter 3 in your Bibles, and specifically tonight, I want to talk to you about this subject, the typology of the Holy Spirit. And so, when you find your places in John chapter 3, let's all stand tonight, and we're going to read the first eight verses, John chapter 3, and uh, I'm, I'm not going to keep you long at all tonight, so don't get worried about the time. My first point's my longest point, and after that, pretty much everything's downhill. Uh, but let's look at John chapter 3 and verse number 1. The Bible says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. I want us to read verse number eight all together tonight. Ready? The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. You may be seated tonight. And let's talk about the typology of the Holy Spirit. Now, we really, actually, we've already talked about this a little bit, but th this is going to be round number two tonight. And so let's go to the Lord, and uh, I hope the Bible study will be, a, will be a help and a blessing to you tonight. Let's pray. Father, thank you. It's, it's been a wonderful day at Calvary. And uh, Lord, honestly, it's just been a delight to be here, to walk in these doors and to be a part of, of everything that's happened today. Lord, this place was an exciting place as early as 8.30 this morning. Lord, it was a, a place of busyness and, and business and excitement, and, and it's been that way all day today. We just thank you, God. We just appreciate you allowing us to be a part of your wonderful institution called the church. Now, Lord, this what we're doing right now, this is it. This is the main reason. Lord, this is the main thing, truth. That's why we come. And I'm not against all the other things, and I'm not against churches implementing other things into their program. But Lord, may we never get away from the main thing, and the main thing is the preaching and the teaching of truth. And so Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give us strength to learn, to, to listen, give us ears to hear, and minds that can comprehend what we're talking about tonight, and I pray that you'd fill us with the Spirit of God tonight, and Lord, all that's done, I pray, would honor thee, glorify thee, please thee. Lord, if there may be any here tonight or any watching by way of the live stream that are lost without Christ, I pray, Lord, that tonight will be the night 
that they'll come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. Help us please now, Father. We pray this, Lord, that you might bind the powers of darkness and keep them away from this place, keep them away from this people, keep them away from me, my family, our families. And Lord, I pray you'd keep your blessings within. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We ask all these things in Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. And all God's people said, amen. And so how many know tonight there are many places in the scriptures that use descriptions and what we would call adjectives. And a lot of times those are literal. There are some people that try to make everything a symbol. Everything's some kind of a type. And truth of the matter is, that's not always the case. Sometimes people have a tendency to read through the book of Revelation and they'll say, well, that's, that's all typology, but that's, it's not all typology. And a lot of those things in the book of Revelation that the Lord talks about happening are literal things. I believe those things are actually going to come to pass. But the word of God often uses symbols to teach us understandable truth about important doctrines of the Bible, symbols. These symbols could also be referred to as types or typology or metaphors or similes. For instance, last week, we talked about this just a little bit. We said that oil is a type of the Holy Spirit. And if you were in, involved in this study, we talked about how oil in the Bible was used for anointing. Oil was used for cooking, for lighting, for healing, and yes, for sanctifying or sanctification. Uh, and that was really the main point that we camped out on was that idea of the Holy Spirit and sanctification. But oil is used as a type of the Holy Spirit. Not only oil, but the one that we want to deal with tonight is this. Another symbol used in the Bible to illustrate the Holy Spirit is the type or the symbol of wind. So look, if you will, at John chapter 3 again in verse number 8. The Bible says in verse 8, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone, listen to the, the, the terminology there, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. And so the Lord Jesus Christ is giving us a symbol here. He's giving us a, a type of the Holy Spirit of God. He's trying, to, he's trying to break this down and he's trying to explain it in such a way. And by the way, there, there, there's never been a teacher like Jesus. Every, every once in a while, I'll hear preachers say that you shouldn't get up in the pulpit and use stories and illustrations and things like that. And I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't agree with that. And one of the reasons I don't agree with that is because Jesus never taught truth like that. Jesus used a lot of parables. He used a lot of stories, a lot of illustrations to try to convey truth that he's trying to teach to, to his people. And that's what he's doing here in John chapter three and verse number eight. The Lord Jesus Christ is using wind to teach a truth about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works. So wind is a type of the Spirit of God. Let me show you another place real quickly tonight, if I could. Take your Bibles and turn over to Acts chapter two, uh, just a few pages over, Acts chapter two, and look at verse number one. And of course, this is scripture that's referring to the day of Pentecost. And we notice here that on the day of Pentecost that the arrival of the Holy Spirit was symbolized by wind. Uh, Acts chapter two, verse number one, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of, see there? As of a rushing mighty 
wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So here again, we find another place in the Word of God that is referencing the Holy Spirit and it uses the typology of wind. And so somebody says, Pastor, why is that? Why, why, why does the Bible um, liken the Holy Ghost to this thing of wind? Let me give you a few simple, simple thoughts tonight and we're gonna let you go. How about this? Number one, wind is invisible. It's invisible. Now, I know I had you turn back, I turn away from it, but turn back, if you will, to John 3 real quickly. If you turned away from that, just just uh, thumb back to that real quick. John chapter three and look at verse number eight again. And we find here that wind is invisible. Uh, John three, verse eight, the Bible says, the wind bloweth where it listeth. Look at this next part. And thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. Now, why is that? You know why they can't tell when it's coming, where it's going? Because wind is invisible. Somebody says, no, 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 preacher, I've seen the wind. You've never seen the wind. You've seen what the wind can do. You've seen the power of the wind. We'll get into that in just a little bit, but you've never actually seen the wind. Why? Because the wind is invisible. And so it is with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is, is invisible, and yet he is most definitely present. We have not seen the Holy Spirit today with our physical eyes, but I'm gonna tell you something. He's been present. <laughs> He's been here. Listen, it started before Sunday school ever got going this morning. You could feel the presence of God uh, before we ever started Sunday school. And then we started Sunday school and you could just tell that the Holy Spirit was just fanning the word of God. He was just fanning it. And then in the uh, 11 o'clock service, it was like that again. And boy, thank God, you may not be able to see him. You can't touch him. He's not tangible necessarily like this pulpit tonight. But boy, I want to tell you what, thank God he is ever present in your life and my life tonight. Now, I know, I know that when we say that, sometimes people use invisibility as an excuse for their unbelief. You have friends and coworkers and family members and they'll say, well, have you ever seen the Holy Spirit? And of course your answer is, well, no, I've never seen him. And then they come back with this, well, you know what? If I can't see something, I won't believe it. But you know, church, that's really, that's really a weak, weak argument. Well, I can't see it. Have you ever seen heaven? I had a guy ask me that one time. I was out visiting, and, and he said, have you ever seen heaven? Well, no, I've never seen heaven, but I know it's there. And people say, well, if I can't see it, I won't believe it. But that's really not true at all. It's not true at all. Truth of the matter is, they have never seen gravity but they believe it. If you don't believe it, step, step off of a 20-foot ladder and see if gravity doesn't take over. Step out of, step out of a, a Delta jet at 35,000 feet and see what happens. You say, well, I'll put a parachute on. You're still going down. You're not going up. You're going down. You know why? Because there's something called gravity. You can't see it, and yet it's real. People have never saw Wi-Fi. You can't see Wi-Fi. But it's real. It's in this room tonight. Uh, we have people that are able to watch the, the, the live stream tonight because of this thing of Wi-Fi. And you, you say, Pastor, do you understand everything about it? Man, I don't hardly understand it at all. 
And yet I believe it because it works. Uh, boy, I'm telling you what, we've got some wonderful electricians in our church and thank God for the, uh, the, the knowledge that God has given these electricians. I'm gonna be honest with you, uh, you can't see electricity necessarily right now. Now you see the effects of electricity, but you don't, technically, you don't see the electricity. You see the wire, you see the drop cord, but you don't see the electricity that's, that's conversing through that drop cord. You can't see it, but you believe it. And so it is with the Spirit of God. And that's why the Bible likens the Holy Spirit to the wind. He is invisible, and yet, thank God, we know that he exists. John chapter four, verse 24 says it like this. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Colossians 1.15, the Bible says, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. I'm gonna tell you something, church. You better beware of somebody who says, I saw God. Number one, no, they didn't. Because our Bible says no man can see God and live. Well, God came in my bedroom, not me and God. You know, God just God came in. I mean, sat down in bed and we had a conversation. No, he did not. Uh, and so, uh, listen, we know that God's a spirit. Colossians 1.15 tells us that, that he is the image of the invisible God. 1 Timothy 1.17, now unto the kingdom eternal, immortal, invisible the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, let me tell you there's something really neat about this thing of being invisible. You say, preacher, you know, is that even important? Man, it's really important. You see, the Holy Spirit being invisible does not draw attention to himself. The purpose, and this is something that we need to understand, and if you don't get anything else, get this tonight, that the purpose of the Spirit of God is to bring attention to Jesus Christ and the gospel. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to show that to you tonight. It's important that you see it, not just hear it. So I want you to take your Bibles tonight. If you want to turn to the Gospel of John, you're in John 3 already. And so turn over to, to uh, uh, John chapter 16. And look at verse number 13 tonight. John 16, verse 13. And here, the Lord Jesus Christ himself tells his disciples, I'm gonna send my spirit and I'm gonna tell you the purpose. Fellas, I'm gonna tell you the purpose of sending my spirit. John 16, verse 13. The Bible says, how be it when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. Look at this next line. The Bible says, for he, the Holy Spirit, for he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Look at verse 14. The Bible says, he, the Holy Spirit, he shall glorify me. For he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. The Holy Ghost always draws attention to Jesus. He always does. Listen, if you see a church that's just constantly, constantly talking about Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, and they're never lifting up the name of Jesus, I'm gonna tell you what, there's a doctrinal problem within that church because it is the Holy Spirit, the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm gonna send him. He's gonna be invisible. And one of the reasons he's invisible is because he is not gonna draw attention to himself, but he's going to draw attention to Christ. And by the way, church, I wanna tell you this, that a spirit-filled church always draws people to the Savior. A spirit-filled church does not draw the people to the preacher. And if it does, they have missed 
their purpose. If you are, listen, if you are drawing attention to the pastor, drawing attention to the preacher, drawing attention to the, to the deacons, or drawing attention to the music, or drawing attention to the facilities, and you're not drawing attention to Jesus, there's a problem. A spirit-filled church, I'm telling you, I believe this with all my heart, that you say, Pastor, how do you know if a church is spirit-filled? Because in a spirit-filled church, if the Holy Spirit is working, one of the things he's gonna be doing is this. He is gonna be drawing attention to Christ, to Christ. People are gonna walk out that door not saying, wow, what a preacher, or wow, what a facility, or wow, what music. They're gonna walk out saying, wow, what a God. What a Savior. In a spirit-filled church, listen to this. In a spirit-filled church, people are gonna leave feeling the need for Christ. Now, are they gonna always respond? The answer to that is no. Uh, we had hands raised this morning. And as far as I know, some of those did not respond. Are they gonna always respond? No. But here, here's our hope, though. It, may we be, oh God, help us to be a spirit-filled church. And even if they don't respond, when they leave this property, may they leave saying, I need the Lord. I need the Lord. And you know what I'm so, this is just testimony. You know what I'm so thankful about is oftentimes when my wife and I are standing back there shaking hands after the service, that's what we get over and over and over. Wow, what a God. What a God, preacher. Hey, that's a good evidence that the Holy Spirit is here. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's not about necessarily uh, people running the aisles and jumping the pews and swinging from the chandeliers and, and some of that. I'm not against all that necessarily if it's in order, but I'm just saying that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, just because folks are shouting and running the aisles and they're jumping the pews and all that kind of thing, that doesn't mean it's a spirit-filled church. If, if, if that attention is being drawn to those that are running or drawn to those that are shouting or whatever the case may be, and the attention's not being drawn to what we're shouting about, then there's something wrong. I'll tell you something else about this thing of being invisible. If we're gonna see the kingdom of God built and if we're gonna see our churches continue to grow, you know what's gonna have to happen? It's gonna take some Christians who are willing to become invisible. You know what John said in John 3.30? He must increase. I must decrease. You know what John was saying? I've gotta, I've gotta be invisible. It's not about me. It's not about me being seen. It's not about somebody patting me on the back. It's not about putting my name in the bulletin. It's not about putting me out here on the sign. It's not about, you know, folks telling me I did a good job or a boy. Listen, it's all about him. Just let me walk in and Lord, let me serve and Lord, let me be invisible and I'm willing to be invisible as long as, as long as the Lord Jesus Christ gets glory and honor and praise. That's what it's all about. Now, if you didn't get anything else from this message, I hope you got that first point. Wind is invisible. Tell you something else. Number, number two, quickly. Number two, wind is impactful. It's impactful. Listen to this verse, John, uh, Jonah. Jonah 1 verse four. The Bible says, but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea and there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. You know what did that? Wind did that. Mark chapter four, verse 37. The Bible says, and there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so now, so that now it was full. You know what did that? Wind. Wind. 
Why does the Bible liken the Holy Spirit to wind? Because wind is powerful. Wind has the ability to, to, to move things around, to, to change things, to, to blow things over, to, to, try, to change entire landscapes. And by the way, that's, again, man, that's why it's so important that you're a part of a spirit-filled church. And I'm not there saying, I'm not trying to tell you we're the only, I'm not trying to tell you we're the only one, I'm just telling you, thank God that I get to be a part of one. Thank God I get to go, I get to walk in the door, even if just to do my little part. Thank God I get to be here. You know why? Because in a spirit-filled church, there's no impossible cases. And people walk in and they've got addictions and they've got bondages and they've got problems and they've got issues. And, and the world has told them, and in fact, we had this even this morning. And some of our kids' minds are being filled with things. My wife and I discussed this over lunch today, and it's just sad that this world is filling our young people's minds with things and telling them that, you know what, you're never gonna be any better unless you take medicine, take medicine, take medicine, take medicine for the rest of your life. And we have people that come into church and thank God when they come into a spirit-filled church, the Holy Spirit can do what medicine cannot do and the Holy Spirit can do what classes cannot do and social programs cannot do. Hey, why? Because the Bible likens him to the wind and the wind is impactful. A few weeks ago when Hurricane, uh, Hurricane was it Hurricane Ian? I can't, I can't remember which hurricane it was now, but anyway, my wife and I, a few weeks ago, y'all remember, and we were down in Charleston, South Carolina. And that hurricane came around, came around Tampa, sucked all the water out of Tampa Bay. People were walking on the, on the mud there in Tampa Bay. And that thing came across Florida and Orlando and then around Daytona. And, and they said that it's making its way up toward Charleston, South Carolina. We were in Charleston at the time. And so... I told Miss Tammy a day or two before, I said, you know, if they're pretty sure about that thing is coming our way, I said, we're probably getting out of here a day or two early. We got stuck in hurricane evacuation traffic one time, and man, that is no fun. It's no fun, Brother Mike. It's nothing like sleeping in your van. And, and so I told her, I said, we're probably gonna head out if, it, if it, they look like it's gonna be a direct hit. Well, listen, church, this is the truth. We were in Charleston, South Carolina, and that hurricane was coming through. It had just come off the coast of Florida and just making its way back out to the ocean. We went out on Thursday, Thursday, was it Thursday morning? Thursday morning there in Charleston, South Carolina, and the roads in downtown Charleston were already flooding. It hasn't even rained yet. We walked out of the hotel we were in and downtown, I'm talking about a historic section in downtown Charleston, and the roads were already flooding. And I said, honey, it didn't even rain last night. What's going on? And she was right. She said, the wind is blowing so hard that it's blowing the seawater up through the sewers. And the water's already starting to flood the roads and the hurricane was still a day away. <laughs> now, what's your point, preacher? My point is this, wind has amazing power. In fact, I did not realize this until I started studying this out. How many remember, remember this in Exodus chapter 10? How many remember when God brought the locust in for the plague? Y'all remember that? Do you remember what brought the locust in? Wind brought them in. 
Exodus chapter 10, the Bible says that it was wind that brought in the locusts, taste something else. The Bible also says it was wind that took them away. Uh, also, I found this out in Exodus chapter 14. It was wind that caused the waters of the Red Sea to part. And Exodus 15 says it was wind that caused the waters to cover the Egyptian army. In Numbers chapter 11, it was the wind that brought quails to the camp of the Israelites. Why, preacher? Because wind is impactful. Wind makes a difference. Wind is powerful. Wind can do things that other things can't do. His name was John. For 30 years, he lived a wicked life of debauchery. 30 years. He was a slave captain. And they, 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 if you read his story, they tell us that his men hated him. They hated him. One day during a, one day during a storm, and the, the waves were so high, it washed him off the ship, but his men knew they had to save him to, you know, or they'd be in trouble. And so they took a harpoon that they would harpoon a well with, and they harpooned him in the leg, and they drug him back up on deck, and they said for the rest of his life, John walked with a limp. And John's mom died when he was just a little boy, six years of age. But before she died, she prayed this prayer, oh God, make a preacher out of him. Oh God, make a preacher out of him. And she prayed for her little boy. And you know what happened? John, his life was changed by the wind of the Holy Spirit. His name, John Newton. And he wrote the words, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. And now that song has went down in history. You say, Pastor, what in the world changed this life? It was the wind of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because wind is impactful. I want to tell you something else tonight. Not only is wind invisible, and wind is impactful, but number three, quickly, number three, wind is imperative. What do you mean, Pastor? There are some things that are not going to function apart from wind. Did you know that windmills need the rushing wind? Did you know that a sailboat, if a sailboat does not have a motor, a sailboat is not gonna sail if it doesn't have the wind? And of course, years ago, when there was no such thing as a motor to put on them, sometimes... Mariners would stay in the ocean for days and days and days because there was no wind to convey the sails. You, you ladies might know something about this. Wet clothes on the line need the drying air of the wind. It's, it's imperative. And the Bible tells us this, that the Holy Spirit is imperative for there to be true conversion if you're gonna be genuinely born again, if you're genuinely saved, the Bible says that the Spirit of God is an absolute necessity in that conversion. You say, well, pastor, I've been saved, but the Holy Spirit had nothing to do with it. Yes, he did. If you've been saved, he had everything to do with it. In fact, our Bible says in Romans chapter eight, verse number nine, but you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And so somebody says, well, I am saved, but I don't have the Holy Spirit. Well, if you're saved, you've got the Holy Spirit. That's a part of salvation. It's that Holy Spirit that, that converts you and transforms you. And so the, 
the wind is invisible. The wind is impactful. The wind is imperative. But here, this is a short little point, and we're done. But I hope, you, I hope that you'll hang with me just for a moment because this is the point that really stood out to me. Number four, notice this, the wind is influential. Now, take your Bibles quickly tonight, we're done, but take your Bibles and turn over to, to 2 Peter chapter one. 2 Peter chapter one, and look at verse number 20. And I wanna teach our church a little something about the Holy Spirit that's very important for us to understand. The wind is not only invisible, impactful, imperative, but the wind is influential. Second Peter chapter one, verse 20 says it like this. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in own time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake. Look at this last part. As they were, what? As they were moved as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now you study that out, and it's that idea of what I just talked about. It's that idea of sails being filled with the wind and being conveyed on the sea. And the Bible says that it was the Spirit of God. Somebody says, well, a bunch of men just got together and wrote the Bible. No, no, that's not how it happened at all. These men were influenced by the Spirit of God. They were moved by the Holy Ghost. John 16, 13 says it like this, how be it when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. Now, we're done. But listen to my statements that I'm getting ready to make. The Holy Spirit is not something we use. But rather, someone that uses us. Now, some may say, Pastor, that's just semantics, but I think it's more than that. Now, let me, let me help you tonight. This is the average Christian's view of the Holy Spirit, that he, that he the Holy Spirit, that he helps us to do better. Let me start, start, start again. That he helps us to do better the things we want to do. That somehow it's the, it is the Holy Spirit that gives us power that makes what we want to do more successful. And if that's what you believe, very kindly, I wanna to say tonight, that's an incorrect view of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me see if I can illustrate that a little bit tonight. I want you to imagine a child flying a kite. Think about it. Some of you used to do that. We used to fly kites when I was a kid. Imagine a child flying a kite. And this is the way we often think when it comes to the Holy Spirit. We think, well, I'm the child and the kite, flying the kite, represents what I want to do. And God's spirit is the wind that helps me fly my kite. In church, that's incorrect. The correct way to see the Holy Spirit is this. Here we go. I am the kite. I'm not the one flying the kite. I am the kite. And the wind has total control of my life. Well, I hope you get that. I wanted to find some kind of a flashy illustration that I could put with that, and God didn't give me one. But that little, that little concept right there this week probably impacted me more than any other thing. So I want to say again, the Holy Spirit is not something we use. 
but rather someone that uses us. And so may we do this tonight. Maybe some folks just in you say, Lord, I'm the kite. You're the wind. You convey me anywhere you want to convey me. Take me anywhere you want to take me. Blow me anywhere you want to blow me. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll teach if you want me to teach. I'll preach if you want me to preach. I'll serve as an usher. If you want me to serve as an usher, I'll run a vacuum cleaner if that's what you want me to do. I'll sing in the choir. I've never done it before, but if you want me to sing in the choir, I'll sing in the choir. If you want me to serve as a greeter, if you want me to start passing out gospel tracts, Lord, I'll, I'll do that because I'm the kite and you're the wind and you have control to convey me and to make me do anything that you want me to do. But here's the thing, you've got to yield to that. So I would ask you tonight, are you yielded to the Holy Spirit? So let's bow our heads tonight, if you will. How about it? How yielded are we to the Spirit of God? Is he able to, is he able to move you like he wants to move you? Is there something that the Holy Spirit's been wanting you to do for a long, long time and you've sort of resisted that? Maybe you're here tonight and you sort of felt like, well, it's the Holy Spirit that helps me to do what I want to do. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit's not something we use. The Holy Spirit's someone who uses us. And tonight, you know, it would be a great night, November the 6th, 2022, getting ready to go into a brand new year pretty soon. You know, it'd be really great at Calvary if we had just a bunch of Christians here at this church who said, Holy Spirit, I'm giving you total control of my life. You lead me. Show me what you want me to do. And I'll do it. By your grace, Lord, I'll do it. Witness, I'll do it. Sing, I'll sing. You want me to try to preach in a nursing home? Lord, I'll do it. Lord, you, you, you want me to come and blow leaves off the parking lot? I'll do it. You just show me what you want me to do. And I'll do anything you want. So Lord, thank you. Such a simple truth. But this is the simple truth that I believe you gave me. Lord, tonight I pray that our prayer tonight would be one of yielding. Maybe there's somebody here tonight that says, well, preacher, I never saw it that way. But tonight, Lord, you give them understanding. Spirit of God, would you forgive us for those times when we sort of felt like you were something that we used to, to complete a task? And Lord, tonight, we understand that it's you that uses us, not us that uses you. Lord, tonight, give us moms and dads Give us grandpas and grandmas and teenagers and young people. Give us leaders in our church who tonight will come and say, Holy Spirit, I'm yielding myself to you. Use me in whatever way that you see fit. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let's all stand around the house tonight. Our heads are bowed. Listen, why don't some folks just step out and come tonight and just say, Holy Ghost, I'm yielding myself to you tonight. I'm yielding to you. Lord, use me. Direct me. 
show me. Help me to be yielded. Help me to do what you want done. Help me to say what you want said. Help me to be that Christian that you desire, one that brings honor and glory to Jesus, one that's invisible, one that's not seeking self-glory, but I just wanna serve. I just wanna honor Christ. I want him to get bigger because of me. We'll pause just for a few moments tonight.